The following is a sermon from Gila Valley Baptist Church, and we pray this message strengthens your relationship with our Lord and Savior. We're located in Gila, New Mexico, and to learn more about our ministry or how to support our ministry, please visit GilaValley.org. I preached at a church one time in Idaho, and uh, they had one of those. And back in the day, my mustache came to about here, and came down, and I could laugh at you, smile at you, call you names, and you'd never know it. <laughs> I remember one one winter uh, we spent on a ranch in Montana, and 30 below. Don't ever let anybody tell you, oh, that's just a dry cold. Because <laughs> you'd walk out of the house, and I'd walk to the pickup, and by the time I got there, you could probably take in my mustache and broke part of it off. You know, and it, by the end of the day, it weighed about 15 pounds, so it got away. So maybe when I got older, it started to grow up a little bit here in the last year or so, I trimmed it back. <laughs> but uh, I'm very grateful for Pastor asking me to come and speak to you this morning. Uh, the Word of God, we got to get something through our head. Uh, we spend a lot of time in church, do we not? And we walk in the door and we punch our little Baptist time clock back there and we spend our hour, hour and ten minutes and, and we head out the door and we punch it and we somehow think God's impressed. Or we open our Bible in the morning and we do like we do at McDonald's. Why do we go to McDonald's? We don't go for the quality of food. Just be honest. Right, Martin? Yeah. It sure is good though, huh? And, and how many times have you gone to Sonic or McDonald's and you pull up in the drive-thru and there's four cars, and you're like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Wrong with you people. Let's go. Everything we want in a hurry. This world has conditioned us to get everything in a hurry. This world has conditioned us to not slow down, to not take our time, and to not feast on the Word of God. In Jeremiah chapter 15, it says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and they were unto me as what? The joy and rejoicing of my heart. When you got your favorite meal in front of you, what do you do? Oh. I, we, Ethan and I got a friend, J.C. Nelson. He goes, you can always tell if it's something I don't like because I don't talk, I don't do anything, I eat it as quick as I can. <laughs> yeah. Just get it down. Hopefully it stays there. <laughs> but you savor it. And you savor every bite. That's the way we need to be with the Word of God. Do we have people out there, Eddie? I don't know. But you're being picked up. Okay. A lot of hot air going on there. <laughs> the Word of God, we need to get back to savoring the Word of God. You know, Ecclesiastes 5.1, the Bible says, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. It tells us to be more ready to hear. And it talks about those that come into God's presence and they don't listen, they don't heed the Word of God, they don't slow down, and he says they give the sacrifice of fools for, because what they do is evil. We need to slow down. We need to learn to feast on the Word of God. You know, this is the only book on this earth that can actually do what it says it will do. How many times you heard them commercials on TV? This book will change your life. What a bunch of horse pup. That book wouldn't change anybody's life. But this one can. 
Bible says in the, in the book of Hebrews, it is quick and powerful. It is alive. It produces life. And when you have the Holy Spirit and the Word of God come together and form like parents to produce what? A new life in Christ. So I'd encourage you this morning. Refocus your mind to slow down and take in the Word of God. Immerse yourself in the Word of God. Feast on the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. Take your Bibles. There's Bibles in the pews. If you don't have one in your hand, grab one of those. I'm old, so I just say what's on my mind. Okay? Grab a Bible. Okay? You'll forgive me, but it is warm up here. Yeah, over there. You don't want me sitting in your lap. <laughs> Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. You know, anytime we can get in the Word of God, it's fun. We have to desire the Word of God. It ought to be our delight. We ought to look forward to our times in the Word of God. We can have fun when we come to church. We can have fun when we come into the house of God. When we gather as a church, when we gather for our times of Bible study, when we gather for our times of prayer, we can have a good time. Why? Because even when God rebukes us, and even when He takes us to the woodshed, we have a Heavenly Father that loves us more than we can ever know or comprehend. And what is He doing? He is working to bring about the best in us. He is working to conform us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you right now, that's as good as it gets right there. We can stop preaching, teaching right there. Y'all go, yes! <laughs> There's no football game today, so forget it. I used to love those days when there was a big game after church. Because you preach like an extra 20 minutes. <laughs> and preach on a patient. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. I'm going to read verses 8 through 14. We're going to take our time and we're going to go through this because it is that important. We have, we have so many folks today in our churches that number one, and I'm not so naive as to believe that everybody that sits in a building such as this this morning has truly come to the cross. We have many folks today that are going about trying to establish their own righteousness before God. And my prayer today is if you're here today and you have never come to the cross, if you have never, like Pilgrim and Pilgrim's Progress, come to the cross and felt the release of that burden as you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did at the cross today, you would say. My desire this morning also is if you're carrying baggage, because Paul speaks of that, and we're going to see that here in Philippians 3, that if you're carrying the baggage of failures and sin and success of the past, that you throw it down at the cross. Pastor asked for a, a title to the sermon, and I usually don't put titles on them, but I said, how about the old ball and chain? I was waiting for some men to go, oh yeah! <laughs> That's what Marvin did. <laughs> But my greatest desire this morning is that when we finish, you leave here and you just simply say, what a great Savior.
pleasure. There was a man in the late 1800s, he was an editor of a big newspaper in England. And he came and, and they all said, hey, you need to come and hear this guy preach and speak. He's wonderful. He's great. A great orator, they said. And so he went and he walked out of that building and he said, man, what a great speaker. Then somebody said, there's a fellow we'd like you to come and hear. He's at the Metropolitan Tabernacle. His name is Charles Happen Spurgeon. He went first, Spurgeon preached. And he came out, and all he could say was, What a great city. We don't think that way anymore. We don't spend enough time with the Savior anymore. You say, How do you know that? Well, I can tell you right now, the Bible tells me. The judgment starts at the house of God. And we sit and we look at the political situation and the, the events of, forget the last 10 years or the last year or the last 7 months or the last week. We want to look at the political situation. We want to look at who's in the governor's mansion, who's in the White House, who's in the House, who's in the Senate. We need to start looking about who's in the church. Is Jesus Christ the head? Is He the Lord of this church? Is our mindset, what a great Savior. The Apostle Paul, he said, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. We're in verse 8 of Philippians 3. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended or attained. Got a hold of it. Okay? like when you're trying to run from a cop and he grabs you. You've been apprehended. Okay. there. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, when we look at the book of Philippians, now this, understand something. This was written while the Apostle Paul was where? He was in prison. Okay, he'd been saved roughly 30 years prior. And he had sacrificed his life for the cause of Christ. So this is the man who is writing about that which he knows. He has experienced it. He lives it. I like what Bo was doing this morning in Sunday school. He was talking about that relationship with Elijah and Elisha. And one of the things that, that you see in that is that Elisha witnessed the power of God in the life of Elijah. How do we know that? Because he said, I want double what you got. I've seen it. In the Apostle Paul, we see his life. And here's a man who has experienced it. Who knows what it is to suffer loss. Who knows what it is to be in prison for his faith. The Bible says he was beaten more than once. He was left for dead. Why? 
because of the Lord Jesus. Verse 8, he said, Yea, doubtless. If you go back and you look in the Greek language in which this was written, that phrase, yea, doubtless, there is a force and a passion behind it. You look at all of chapter 3, uh, you see Paul uses some very harsh language. He uses very direct and forceful language. Why? Because in chapters 1 and 2, he was talking about the joy that we have in Christ. And in chapter 3, he starts to look and he says, Now, he said, I want to warn you. I want to uh, strengthen you because there are those who want to take away the joy that we have in Christ. They want to take away the righteousness that we have in Christ and they want to replace it with their own righteousness. Listen, our own righteousness never got us anything. What does the Bible say our righteousness is as? Filthy, nasty, rotten, Stinky, smelly. Right. I mean, putrid. That's my best. So Paul says, yea, doubtless. He's going, listen, I ain't kidding here. Okay? For those of you from New Mexico. He says, I ain't kidding I count all things but loss to the ex excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. What is he saying? Who I was, what I was, is nothing compared to the relationship that I have with my Savior. you got to understand something. The Bible says that Paul was what? He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Paul was probably the greatest theologian that we will ever know. He wrote most of the New Testament, did he not? He sat at the feet of the greatest teachers available. And he said, all that is worthless. It is excrement. It is refuge, refuge in comparison to my Savior. We get ticked because you fill in the blank. We get upset because you say, boy, God sure ripped the, the carpet underneath the Apostle Paul, you know, pulled the rug right out from under it. No, he didn't. He gave him a foundation that no man can lay, which is That it's nothing to me. Christ is everything. And then look at verse 9. And being found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. I'm reminded in, in Luke chapter 18. How many of you know what's going on in Luke 18? All you Bible scholars, both. <laughs> I'll tell you. Well, he's looking. The Bible says, And Jesus spake a parable unto those which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. What was that parable about? The Pharisee and the public. And the Bible says that the Pharisee did what? He spent his whole life trying to justify himself before God. The Apostle Paul, when he was Saul, spent his life trying to justify himself before God. Later on in that parable, uh, Jesus is speaking and he said, and the Pharisee prayed Thus with himself. You want to know what that means? It means in his little circle of prayer, he is all by himself. Because God sure enough wasn't there. Because our righteousness 
is not acceptable unto God. And Paul understood that. We have folks today that couple examples. I had a lady one time tell me, I was born into the baptized into the cradle roll of my Baptist church. Never once did I hear the word I went to the cross. Never once did I hear Jesus save me. Never once did I hear any I was telling the guys here a few weeks ago, we were in Money's Bible study. We were in Marathon, Texas. We'd started a church down there. And, and we're, we're in this bakery. It was called Shirley's Burnt Biscuit Bakery. <laughs> and it was about, like Julie said this morning, about the size of the two tables in, in the Sunday school room in there, you know, where we were at both. Yeah. And I'm sitting in there, and there's this big old boy, and he, we're talking, and he, he, somebody told, oh yeah, this is the pastor of the, the, the High Desert Baptist Church down there. Poor Tackman, and he's like, boy, I've been a deacon in my church for 25 years. And this was back when I was not as wise and prudent as I am today. <laughs> and I went, and? <laughs> he can move. <laughs> Not once did I hear. I hear because he said I can come. That's what the thief in the cross said. He dies, shows up in heaven. Why are you here? I'm here because he said I can come. Number one. Going about their life to establish their own righteousness, which is unacceptable. In, Ro in Romans chapter 10, I think it's verse 4, it's, it's talking about the children of Israel. And Paul, as we know, had a great burden for the children of Israel. He says, my heart's desire for Israel is that she be saved. And he said, they go about establishing their own righteousness. They're ignorant of God's righteousness because they have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. I just, like I said, I'm getting older, so I'm getting blunt. Are you here this morning and you spent the last 10, 20, 30 years trying to establish your righteousness and trying to establish your works? And not allowing him to clothe you in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that's what happens. When you trusted Christ as Savior, you were justified. That is the gracious act whereby God declares righteous the sinner in his standing before God when he does what? When he puts his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is an instantaneous act. Where God says, I now see you through the clothing of the righteousness of my son. Paul knew that. It meant everything to him. We get to verse 10. And he says that I may know him. How do you get to know somebody? This is not about knowing about. I can read. I love Civil War stuff, and I like Indian War stuff. It's just great. I know I can actually read. I love it. But you know, all I can do is all I can do is read about it. I think one of the most treasured books I have in my library is a little paperback book that an old preacher gave me. He said, "Here, you'll want to keep this." threw it at me and he walked off. I was like, thanks for that. I love that book. It's called Lincoln on Leadership. And it is full of letters and quotes of Abraham Lincoln during the time of the Civil War. And all he dealt with. And it helped me at least get a little insight into what he was thinking. But I still, 
I don't know him. To know Jesus is not to know about him. How do you know about the Lord Jesus? How do you get to know him? It's just something that you're holding on to it. And yet we treat it like a Big Mac fries and a large chocolate shake hitting the drive through at McDonald's at 40 miles an hour. And I may know him. That was everything to the apostles. Nothing else mattered but that I may know him. How do you know somebody you spend time with them? Fellas, when you was trailing that gal you're married to, what did you think about all the time? And do not lie to me. Yeah, who did you think about all the time? Ladies, who did you think about all the time? Who did you want to find? You know, you, I remember in college, you, you talked to, you, you know, your wife now, but then she wasn't. But you talk to her friends and go, hey, what is she like? You know, trying to be sneaky. Why? Because you were trying to get to know her. You wanted to know everything about her. There was a hunger there. There was a, an all-consuming desire. You know, when I was playing ball in college, you could always tell when some guy had a new girlfriend because he was late to practice and he was the first one off the field. And after the game, you know, we're staggering around and he's, there, there he goes. You know, that was what his mother, his focus was her. Paul's focus is on his Savior. It's on the Lord Jesus Christ. I wish my memory was better, but I'm just going to have to read this to you. I apologize. Somebody wrote this a long time ago. So they tell me he is a refiner, that he cleanses from spots. He has washed me in his blood, and to that extent, I know him. They tell me that he clothes the naked. He hath covered me with a garment of righteousness, and to that extent, I know him. They tell me he is a breaker, and that he breaks fetters, he has set my soul at liberty, and therefore I know him. They tell me that he is a king, and that he reigns over sin. He has subdued my enemies beneath his feet, and I know him in that character. They tell me he is a shepherd, and I know him, for I am his sheep. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is They say he is a door, and I have entered in through him, and I know him as a door. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They say he is food. My spirit feeds on him as on the bread of heaven, and therefore I know him as such. Charles Adams That I may know him. I'm going to tell you, you start spending time with the Savior in His Word, in prayer, and He will become your all-encompassing desire, I promise you. That I may know Him in the power of His resurrection. What's that power? That same power that raised Him from the dead that same power that, that God declared in the Lord Jesus Christ when He rose Him from the dead is the power that Paul wanted in his life. You think about it. When, when Jesus was, was raised from the dead, you remember earlier He told the disciples, knock this temple down and in three days I'll raise it up. How could He say that? Because He was the Jehovah of the Old Testament. God himself. That resurrection showed 
the evidence or the evidencing power of God. Because it proved everything was true that Jesus had said. It is the justifying power. At the end of uh, Romans chapter 4, the Bible says that He was raised again for our justification. What does that mean? It means that God said that payment is accepted. It is finished. It is done. It is that life-giving power that allows us to live this life in such a way that we draw people to the Savior. And don't push him away. It says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Paul knew what it was to suffer. That word uh, fellowship there means that Paul was a partaker in the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we need to be partakers in His suffering. What's the Bible say about those that live godly? We're going to suffer persecution. Where in the world did we decide that we were immune? Listen, if you're living like Jesus lived, if you're walking with Him and walking as He walked, yeah, you know, youngster, I can say that. You got that. Better get used to it. Okay. You think fear pressure's tough now? Oh, you ain't seen nothing. Wait till you're old. You start learning now to walk with God. You need to start learning now what it is to seek Him in His Word. To want to be like Him. To want to experience Him. Do it now. You'll be way ahead of the rest of us. But I'm just going to be honest and say, look, these guys here will get all my ass and go, then verse 11 and 12, he says, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend or lay hold of that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Listen, Paul knew that Jesus had laid hold of him, and in turn he was going to lay hold of Jesus. That make sense? Christ had saved you. Christ had said, I will conform you to the image of myself. He called him into the ministry. He laid hold. But Paul knew that in order for him to know him and to draw closer to him and to experience it, that he had to in turn lay hold on the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to understand and get in the habit of laying hold of Jesus. I had an old preacher I knew, and this theologically isn't quite correct, but I like it. Remember the woman that had the issue of blood, and she fought her way through the crowd, and it was as if I could just touch the hem of his garment. She did, and she was healed of Jesus. You know, he felt it. This old preacher used to say, he said, we need to be like that woman and say, I'm going to grab a hold of his garment and I ain't never going to let go. That's the mindset we need to have. And then verse 13, and all of these verses as we go uh, through verse 1 all the way to 7 where Paul's looking back and he's warning them and then he gets into verse 8 through, excuse me, verse 12, and he's building through verse 13 here. He's saying, now, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Listen, I ain't there yet. 
you were a school teacher. Right? Was ain't a real word back then? <laughs> Apparently it's in the dictionary now. Does that make it a real word? I don't know. <laughs> but I said it anyway. You say, I ain't there yet. I'm not absent from the body. I'm not present with the Lord. I'm still growing in my faith. I'm still growing in my desire to know Him more. Listen, when, <clears throat> when you start to spend time with the Lord Jesus in His Word, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. The more that you see Him and the more that He shows Himself to you, because the Gospel of John, Jesus said, listen, the man that dwells with me, He said, my Father and I will dwell with Him and I will manifest or exhibit Myself to Him. So the more that we spend time with the Lord Jesus and the more that we desire Him and the more that we meditate on Him and the more that we seek Him, And as you see him, the farther you're going to realize you have yet to go. As he declares himself more. Paul knew that. And that's why he said, I'm not there yet, but I am seeking, I am following hard after. And then he said, this, I love this phrase. There's, there's a couple phrases in, in the Word of God I love. Number one is, but God. And one thing. David talked about this one thing I desire that I will seek it, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But Paul says here, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. What's he saying here? Because I seek him above all. Because of the, of the righteousness of Christ that has been placed on my account, that word imputation, the doctrine of imputation, where Christ's righteousness is credited to our account, and our sin and filth and disgust is placed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of what Christ did in my life, He is now said, I can forget those things which are behind. And this is an area that we struggle with. And that's why I said the old ball and chain. That phrase there, when you look in the Greek language, means to not be governed by or to be in bondage any longer. How many of you guys remember the original <clears throat> Christmas carol? The good one. You know, it didn't have all the cool, what's it called now? Special effects. Yeah, CG stuff. You know, you know they had to like, I don't know how they did But I remember Scrooge is sitting there, and, and he's not feeling good. Remember that? And he's in front of the fireplace, and he hears this thunk. And he's looking at what's going on, and the you know the windows are closing, so he can't get out. Now you guys remember, you know when you saw it, you were three, right? <laughs> and he looks up, and, and here comes the ghost of Jacob Marley. You remember what he was covered with? Remember all that big, heavy marine chain and those big locks? You know the big one. And he had all those things that he said, I worked on this chain all my life. And he's dragging it and he can hardly move. When you went to the cross, Christ unlocked the locks and the chains fell off. The burdens fell off. Your sin was paid for at Calvary. As far as the east is from the west, God said, so far have I removed your transgressions from you, then why in the world do we want to go back and grab that chain and those burdens and failures and sin of the past and yarn it back on ourselves? 
when we have been what? Declared righteous in Christ. Given everything we need to be successful in this Christian walk. Giving everything we need to be that light that God desires us to be. And to have that sweet fellowship and communion with our Savior. And yet we go back and we put them chains. Them chains ain't like Linus' blanket, okay? They don't provide comfort. He said, I'm not going to be in bondage. To Think about it. He said, I'm not going to be in bondage to what? The law. I'm not going to be in bondage to what these false teachers are trying to do to you. At one point, did you know in the first part of Philippians, he called them dogs? And that was only a term that the Jews used for the Gentiles, and he called them dogs. Yeah, he wasn't messing around. He said, I'm not going to be in bondage to that anymore, trying to establish my own righteousness in my own way. He said, I'm not going to be in bond, bondage to who I used to be. You know, the Apostle Paul was a murderer. He was injurious, the Bible says. He threw men and women into prison. He wreaked havoc on the believers, on the church. When he was there at the stoning of Timothy, he just wasn't hanging out. He was running the show. Of course, he's a good politician. He wasn't picking up the rock. Plausible deniability. But he's there. And he said, I'm not going to be in bondage today. Let me tell you something, folks. We're in bondage to too much of our path. There's three enemies that, that you're going to face. The first one is Satan. He is going to throw things in your face, your failures, the sin of our past. He's going to say, God can't use you. God, you know what? He, he's going to try everything. And to be honest with you, he's probably the easiest one to deal with. Because the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do we do that? Jesus gave an example in the book of Matthew. He used the word of God. You've got to immerse yourself in the word of God and say, you know what? Yes, that's what I was. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was dead, but now I know. I once had no direction, and now I have a focus. I once was facing a judge. Now I can see my Savior. Another one is those around you. How many times have you heard somebody say, <clears throat> I remember Jerry. <clears throat> Let me tell you a story. things up to mind, brings memories of my failures, of my past, throws them in my face and say, how can you dare stand in front of those people and preach? Who do you think you are? Don't think it doesn't happen. You know, you overcome it. flesh, you are dead. Romans 6 says, I am to mortify the flesh. I am to put it to death daily. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. God has given you in the person of Jesus Christ, His Son, and in the Word of God, the living Word of God, everything you need to dispense, to cast down, 
to put away that stuff that would keep us back, hold us in bondage, so that we can press forward, we can press to what the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So that we can seek to know Him more. So that we can seek to draw closer to Him. He's given us everything. We just need to slow down and savor it and make it a part of our life. We need to learn to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. We need to learn to immerse ourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ. We observe the Lord's Supper this morning. And when we do that, what do we do? We remember, but we also can do what? Look ahead and look forward. And how are we going to do that? Get rid of it. Sometimes it's a daily thing. I'll just be straight up with you. Sometimes that old flesh and, and, and Satan will just regurgitate things. Man, we got to go to the cross and lay him at the feet of the cross and say, Father, you've forgiven me of these things. Give me the grace and strength and mercy to move forward. Let me experience your grace, the divine influence on the heart and its reflection in life. Let me move forward. Give me what I need to move forward. And you know what? It's there. Bible says that, that we can experience life what more abundantly. Paul knew that. He put it behind him and he moved forward. I tell you, church, we need to put. Myself in trouble, but I got to do it at this point. Remember that movie, The Lion King? Akuna Matara. You got to put your past in your behind. <laughs> yeah. We can't live in the past. I remember. I re the preacher. I remember. You know what? Those days are done. Got to move forward. We can be in bondage to the successes of the past just as much as we can be in bondage to the past. Put them behind them. Put them in your behind. Go. Move forward. You know, whenever we hear the Word of God, and I'll be done, I promise. I appreciate your patience. Whenever we hear the Word of God, we've got two choices. There's only two. There's not a third. Think about it, it's not a third. I'm picking on Marvin today, so I might as well just go with what Marvin gets up in the morning. And he looks in the mirror. And he's got to go to church. And he, and he sees in the mirror. What does the mirror do? The mirror shows the truth about Marvin. It shows him exactly what needs to be fixed before he heads out the door. It shows him exactly what needs to be taken care of so that somebody doesn't have to grab him by the ear and drag him back in the house and go, you missed his fault. The Word of God's up here. It shows us exactly who we are in our relationship with the Savior. And you got two choices. You can say, I'm good, not now. Or you can reach hard. You can thrust yourself forward and say, 
like Moses, I know you've shown yourself to me, but I've got to have more. And get rid of those burdens. Get rid of those things in your life that are holding you back. God took care of them. Psalm 130, verses 4 and 5, or 3 and 4, If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, if thou wouldest be forgiven. He's not holding my sin against me anymore. He's not holding my failures against me anymore. He's not holding those things that, they're done. He took care of them. He's going, the weight's off. Let's go. Let's run the race to the second. So as we finish this morning, if you're here this morning, you know what? Maybe you're just going, uh, you're right. I, I've spent my whole life trying to make myself acceptable to God. And I realize now that it's not my righteousness. It's Jesus and what He did. And you need to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care if you're 8. I don't care if you're 80. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you're here this morning, the stuff of the past, instead of focusing on your relationship with the Lord Jesus, instead of focusing on His righteousness that God invested in you and the blood that was invested in you and what God has done, we let ourselves be drugged down by the burdens of the past. I'm going to tell you what, you know one of the best places to get rid of them burdens? It's right there people get up and get on their knees before God and folks, what a testimony that is. Everybody, oh, I'm worried about what people think. Come on. When, when somebody gets saved, when Christians lay those burdens down, heaven's having a hold down. I can tell you right now. And so do God's people. Think about don't walk away from the truth of the Lord God. God wants to do so much for you and in you and through you. He invested the blood of Jesus in you. That's how much He wants to do. Singers, Let's pray. Dear Father, we praise you for your word. and Father, we praise you for the ministry of Mark and Julie and their family that is growing. Father, we just thank you for the reminder this morning to throw aside every burden, throw aside everything that so easily entangles us, to forget, forget our sin, and to bring it to the altar this morning to just put it at the foot of the cross and so father we thank you for that and may we fix our eyes on you this morning and each day the author and perfecter of our faith let's stand and worship